program of rock and roll comparisons and contrasts. I am Lena Stagg, the culinary chef and author of the Recipe Records series, a series of four groovy rock and roll cookbooks that blend rock history, facts, trivia, and photos with delicious and easy to prepare recipes themed for music genres and bands. And Recipe Records has a book for numerous genres, by the way. And if you like the music of the 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s, you can try out the original Recipe Records cookbook, which features facts and stories about the Foo Fighters, Razor's <laughs> Machine, and hmm, a very, very famous band that we'll be hearing more about in a few minutes, The Cars. Well, you know, one of my neighbors is the drummer for the Foo Fighters, Taylor Hawkins. Awesome. <laughs> he, lives, he, he lives like three blocks away, and we're real good friends. I've played on his solo record, and then I, he has a studio in his guest house, and they were doing, uh, I went over there and played on a Perry Farrell session with Tony Visconti producing over at uh, Taylor's house. So we're, we're buds. <laughs> and that's a hint, listeners. <laughs> that is super. So if you're a Motown, British Invasion, or California Jingle Jangle fan, you will enjoy the Recipe Records 60s edition. And if, like my co-host, you're a Beatles babe, then your cookbook is definitely Recipe Records, a culinary tribute to the Beatles, which features unique and special recipes, including a Liverpool dish supplied by British Beatles expert Dave Bedford. And, hey, if you're like how about me... For, how about for the Jewish people, a chopped Liverpool dish? <laughs> I love that. <laughs> <laughs> like a like a mold in the shape of the cavern or something. <laughs> no, the, the liver building that would work. Would, would uh, exactly, exactly. <laughs> that would be a mold. <laughs> yeah, that's a chopped liver mold. <laughs> well, all of my books are found at my website, lenastag.com, and if you order any of the books right now, you'll get a free copy of my latest cookbook. The Rolling Scones. Let's spend the bite together. And you will want to stock up on a, all of those cookbooks for the holidays because they are quickly approaching. While you're at my website, sign up for my free newsletter and blog because I have a brand new edition coming out soon which will be spotlighting the one and only Bruce Springsteen, so don't miss it. Amen to that. I um, I sincerely cook with my recipe records books at least once a week. My husband's happiest night of the week. <laughs> and I love playing the songs that Lena's 
coordinated that go with each uh, recipe. So instead of giving you a wine list, she gives you a music list, and it's really cool to ask your Alexa to play each song that she's coordinated to go with the recipes. I mean, when the books came out, there was no such thing, and you would have to make yourself a mixed tape or mixed DVD. <laughs> but now you just say, you know, ask her to play the song, and you she plays it while you're cooking. It makes it into a fun experience instead of a chore. Once you try it, you're going to get really hooked on having fun. You're going to be getting into the kitchen to rattle those pots and pans instead of ordering out. So you're going to love it, trust me. Well, they might trust you if they know who you were. Who are oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I might help if I introduce myself. Hey, guys, I am Lena's trusty sidekick, Jude Sutherland Kessler, the co-host of She Said, She Said, and the author of the John Lennon series as a twitter. So if you're asking, what's the John Lennon series? It is a biographical series on the life of John Lennon and, of course, his mates, the Beatles. They're all in there. They're presented to the reader as if you're reading a story. It's a historical narrative, but it is thoroughly researched and documented and factual. In fact, in the last book, Volume 4, there were over 4,400 footnotes. Uh, so you're getting exactly what John said, what he ate, what he wore, what he did. And if you're saying, well, I'm not so sure about that, I'd like to see how that works, you can read chapters, sample chapters, from each of the four volumes in the John Lennon series that are currently available by going to johnlennonseries.com. And while you're there, if you sign up for my newsletter, I'll keep you posted on the new research that I'm uncovering about John and the Lads as I'm working on Volume 5. I'll um, send you links to my monthly Fest for Beatles fans blog. And from time to time, I include some cool coupons and some discounts. Absolutely. They are not to be missed. So be sure nope, you I... sign up. Ooh, I heard an endorsement. You Have you signed up? I know. I'm trying to keep my mouth shut. But I love your book so much, Jude, and I've read each one at least twice because they're so enjoyable and, and such a different way of telling the story. I probably have most every Beatle book out. I've got a wall of them. And, you know, I've heard the story so many times, but I just love it so much. I keep reading them. But yours is unique in, well, in, the, uh, in the canon. It's just, a, it's just a different way of looking at it. It kind of puts you in the room, and it's just really fun. Thank you, thank you so much, and I appreciate all the help you've given me because you know this like the back of your hand and all of the um, suggestions and changes and things that you've given me have been extremely helpful, and that gives you another clue to who our guest is today because if you look on the back cover of Should Have Known Better, you might see his name there. So, <laughs> Lena, I'll turn it to you. He is, is awesome. That was an outstanding uh, testimonial to your books, and I would have to concur with our guest today. So speaking of pretty cool, we have with us today a very cool and highly respected musician who is absolutely everything Jude and I look for when booking a guest on our famous hashtag eye candy series. Our eye candy series guests are to be interesting, innovative, iconic, and involved in the music scene today. And our guest certainly fills the bill in all of those categories. First of all, he was lead guitarist for one of the hottest bands in the late 70s and into the 80s, The Cars. And with his mad skills, he definitely earned his place 
in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You know, the Cars were named Best New Artist in the 1978 Rolling Stone Reader's Poll, and they also won Video of the Year for the song You Might Think at the first MTV Video Awards in 1984. I'm pretty sure I was watching that. <laughs> on top of those honors, they're... It's dancing. all lies! <laughs> <laughs> their debut album, The Cars, sold <laughs> 6 million copies and appeared wow. on the Billboard 200 album chart for 139 weeks. Woo! So today, when you listen to those mega-hit songs, our guests can be heard rocking away on chart toppers such as My Best Friend's Girl, which opened our program today and on songs that we're going to discuss in a few minutes, including You Might Think, You're All I've Got Tonight, and Good Times Roll. His accolades are many and talents are off the charts. So please help us welcome to She Said, She Said, Mr. Elliot Easton. Hi, ladies. Great to talk to you again. We're so glad to have you here. Thank you, thank you, thank you for coming back on the show. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, we, we're, we're just so delighted that you took, took, all, took away from your really busy schedule to be on the show again. Oh. So, and well, thank you for asking me back. You're always welcome. We might have to make you our additional um, co-host. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> souffleing with Easton or something. <laughs> That's great. So... So we can't wait to dive in and talk about the cars and the influence that the Beatles had on your musical career, Elliot. But before we do, tell us a little bit about this, this, your current supergroup, The Empty Hearts, and bring us up to date on what you guys are doing right now. You gave us a little hint about it last uh, spring, but inquiring minds are still mm-hmm. wanting to know what is definitely <laughs> with the empty heart. Well, I'd be happy to tell you, um, we're in the final mixing stages of uh, finishing our our second album, CD, whatever it's called these days, (laughs) and mastering, and and it's coming out on uh, Valentine's Day 2020. Uh, We thought that would be appropriate with the empty hearts coming out on Valentine's Day, (laughs) and uh, the label thought that there was some fun opportunities with that (laughs) so so that's going on and and then after that you know we've already shot a couple of videos and uh and photos and stuff and we we hope to get out on the road and and like play a lot really um that's the plan is like to you know get out there in you know in the in the coming year and really get out there and play together because you know uh if people don't know who the members of the band are besides myself um, we have Clem Burke from Blondie, who's another Hall of Famer. Wally Palmer from The Romantics, mm-hmm. which you can't turn on a TV commercial or a movie without hearing. That's what I like about you, right? Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and the great uh, bass player, Andy Babuke, who mm-hmm. played in a great band called the Chesterfield Kings. And Beatle fans will also know, especially gear geeks will know uh, Andy from having written the book Beatles Gear, which is like the Bible of uh, the Beatles equipment. He literally uh, writes about every piece of equipment they used from, I guess, 58, maybe when they met at Mm -hmm. at that Mm fete at the church, 
up until they broke up. Every microphone, guitar, amp. And so it's a great uh, reference book. And he did the same thing with the Rolling Stones. So anyway, we've got a really fun and interesting band, and we have a lot of lively conversations about all the kind of stuff that, that we all love to talk about, you, you know, you and us. and It's all you know, wall-to-wall Beatles and gear. And we have a lot of fun. But what I was going to say about it all was is because some of the other guys, like Blondie, still tour sometimes, and the Romantics still play shows. So the Empty Hearts is kind of like our bowling night, in a way. Yeah. It's like, you know what I mean? It's like what we do for fun uh, when we have a window where everybody's free. Yeah. And, you know, it's a little tricky sometimes to get that working where we can all get together and we're spread out across the country. But um, the new year, we ha- we've all committed to, like, really putting some time into this thing and getting out there and playing because that's the most fun. Oh, wow. sure, sure. And, that, you know, the fans are just rabid to, to um, watch super groups like yours get back together. I'm just going to say one more thing about the record. And I'm not going to answer any questions about what I'm going to say. I'm just going to say it. But when you hear who plays drums on one song, you're going to die. Oh. Yeah, see, you said that last time. And, <laughs> and I've been going back and forth because I know that Paul, Paul plays to, drums know. as well as Ringo. So <laughs> well, mm. It's supposed to be a surprise, so I'm just, I don't okay. know. You know the guys to kill me, but um. we can't wait to hear. We cannot wait to hear. You've got to come back on when you can talk about it. You've got to come oh, back on. Cool. It's all you know. The record uh, is like gro- you know, show some growth. I mean, kind of like the Beatles. I wanted this record to have more sort of ear candy and sound effects mm-hmm. and different vibes and textures. And there's one kind of soul kind of Stax Volt kind of song that has the uptown horns on it. And ooh, and there's there's a kind of white albumish stuff that mm. I was kind of into this Lennon-y kind of vibe and writing kind of stuff like that and wow. uh, there's some you know and there's some jangle with some Rickenbacker 12 string jangle and it's a good you know it's a fun record and it, I think it's a, a progression from the first one because we were sort well, of well so can we reserve a Valentine's third radio show and get you to premiere it when it comes out and play some of the songs Oh, absolutely. That would be a blast. I'd love the opportunity. Okay. I was just going to recommend that. (laughs) (laughs) We would love it. Well, maybe we could get some of the other empty hearts to call in on it, too. Yeah. I'm sure sure I could arrange that. I'm sure they'd be happy Mm -hmm. to. That would be fantastic. Just fantastic. Well, we need to jump back in time and look at some you of get the... An- you should get Andy because he's such a Beatle expert. Yeah, that would be great. And I, I have so many questions I could ask him. Oh, yeah, my and, goodness. And he would, yeah. he would, I know he'd love to do it. Well, that would he's be phenomenal. Guy. Phenomenal. We will, we will put it down, and if, it, if you two could do that, that would be fantastic. Just fantastic. Yeah, you, now, you'd you were... Um, books quite a lot. Say what? Tell us that again, Lena. Jude references Andy's book um, quite often. Um, mm-hmm. So I know that she would probably really enjoy yeah. chatting a little bit with him, too. Yeah, it would It would be, the, well, the whole thing, the whole experience would be wonderful. Oh, um, yeah. Elliot, 
we when you were with us last May, we were talking about you know moving in stereo. My best friend's girl just what I needed, but we had just barely touched the surface of the cars hit. So we asked you if you'd come back with us to talk about some of the other big hits. Well, sure, and yeah, because we, we haven't even gotten through side one of first record. <laughs> I know, and that's the thing. What a record that was! It you know, was. The- the joke in the band was that we should rename it the car's greatest hit. <laughs> really, no joke. I mean, it talk about a blockbuster. And the song I wanted to talk about is the one that is also, I believe, on that same LP. Really edgy, really sexy song. You're all I've got tonight. So uh-huh. let's play a little bit, and we'll all listen, and then we'll talk about it. Here is you're all I've got tonight. Rock. So, Elliot, give us some insight into this super hot hit. Okay, I'd be happy to. Um, you know, from my perspective, um, that song was always one of my favorites live because uh, that was the spot in the show where I got to stretch out a little bit and I could extend that solo at the end. And then, you know, we had a, a you know a cue set where I would play and it, we'd come back in with the last chorus and. So it was always kind of fun for me because I could kind of make it a little different every night and and uh, and stretch out a little, which isn't, you know, it's not really the car's ooze, you know what I mean? <laughs> right. It's like short, oh, mm-hmm. let's say it, you know, beatly kind of, you know, short pop solos mm-hmm. and stuff, and that's what a lot of people know me for, and I play a lot of other styles and different things, and mm-hmm. so it, it was always fun playing that song. I always loved that one because you yeah. could kind of jam out on it, too. Yeah, yeah. Well, it is amazing. It is. It's really edgy, especially you know for the year that it was released. And was there any Beatles impact or Beatles influence on the song? Anything that that they inspired when you guys were writing it? You know, I, I knew that you might ask that question, and I was thinking about it. And I think it's not so much necessarily that there's any notes in the music of that song that you would necessarily identify as directly, you know, being influenced by the Beatles, but I think it's I think there's some Beatles in everything we do and it's just it's also just more about the spirit of experimentation mm-hmm. um just you know uh, the, the the pop sensibility of uh, you know of how to put together a great record and um just uh you know yeah. i mean there's there's references of course but like structure and 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 sonics just interesting sounds and you know right. all the lessons that that we musicians learned growing up with the beatles where each new record would introduce a whole nother you know, world, really. Right. Um, you know, we've talked about this, I think. Isn't there like sort of two and a half years between I Want to Hold Your Hand and 
starting Sergeant Pepper with Penny Lane and Strawberry Fields. And Mm -hmm. if you think of that, you know, two and a half years, like groups nowadays take about 10 years between albums. And the the Beatles made, you know, two major motion pictures, toured the world a bunch of times, television, radio, interviews. It's unbelievable. And that's unbelievable. the, The level of progression while all that other insanity was going on to like have the music develop at that rate. It's just yeah. unbelievable. You know, it, well, I mean, it's just, you know, we're still talking about it, I suppose, because it's unprecedented and it's, you know, it's just not normal. What can yeah. I say? You know, a, mm-hmm. a, a 22-year-old kid writing yesterday is not normal. No. Um, you know, go, no. like, you know, this is what I'm saying. It's just, there you know, you know, you know, I feel how I feel. They're like, you know, they're avatars. They're just not, it's just, yeah. it's not the usual thing and it really can't be compared to anything else. No, you're so right. And you, we forget about it in 64, 65, George Harrison said we put a week into every day in 1964. And it's true. I mean, they, they get up, they make a film at lunchtime. They do radio and TV interviews. Yeah. Journalists come over and photograph them. They go back on the set soon as it's over with they go and do thank your lucky stars or some other television ready steady go yeah. john gets home at 10 o'clock they're waiting for him from jonathan cape to work on his book he works and on sometimes his two shows in one or in a yeah. day right mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. and and then get up at five o'clock and yeah. and start all over again it's it's crazy and, and have Just, people you know clawing at you screaming at you and camping outside your house and you know, and then to, like, you know, be able to settle down and write the sort of songs that, like, are on Rubber Soul or something while they were still touring. Yeah, yeah. It, you know, where did the creativity have time to eke out? Where did that, because there was no time, but it's amazing. Well, speaking they of creativity. It. It, it, you know, when you always, you read stories about great songwriters, and it's almost a compulsion. They write on yes. matchbook covers, napkins. Yes, uh, hotel stationery, anything that's available, because they have to get it out. Yep. Yep. So I don't even, jo- you know, you know, and 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 back then we know how the pressure was on for the, the next single every six weeks. Yeah. So, so so these boys had to write, you know, yeah. like had to write on the road. And the other thing about them, you were saying like, you know, how many, you know, how many hours and like they were old before they. You know, older than their age, it's like even before anybody had heard of them, mm-hmm. they'd been through Hamburg and, and, and the Cavern and probably had 10,000 hours of playing. And yeah. they were men. They looked like boys, but they were men. Yeah. Uh, you know, everything that they'd seen and experienced, these were not boys anymore. And they were, you know, savvy way beyond their years. And it almost seemed like it was dog years. <laughs> it is a very unusual thing. The only thing that I think equates to it in history is the fact that in a very tiny town, Concord, Massachusetts, within a mile span, you had Alcott, Hawthorne, Emerson, Thoreau, yeah. the, all of Margaret Sidney, all of these there. great I lived, authors. I, I, I lived for, that's where I lived in Boston. I lived yeah. right by Walden Pond in, in yeah. a town called Weston. Yes, I know right where it is. Yeah. I know right where it is. And it's yeah, just, and it's and, a very strange phenomenon that that happened and the same thing happening in Liverpool and giving us these geniuses. Very, very unusual in history. Paris in, Paris in the 20s. Yeah. It's just, um, it's just amazing. 
Yeah, it's just like a Mozart kind of thing. Like, you just can't explain it. No, you know, you And that's why we've been trying for 50 years, and it's so much fun to try. But I don't, you know, you can't really explain magic and genius. No, it just, you can't. You know, it just is. It's God-given, and it's just, you know, it's, it's from another whole place. It's just... Right. It's, it's a cosmic it appearance. And that's why the world is still so fascinated by it, because we've never seen anything like it before or since. Yeah. It was very special. Well, you know, let's go back to 1978 with that debut album of yours, The Cars, because I remember hearing The Cars for the first time, and there was a different sound, a sound I'd never heard before. You know, there's that famous line in A Hard Day's Night where they are talking to George, and George is saying that, you know, he doesn't like this girl that's so fashionable and popular. And, oh, he turns and he, on the TV and say rude things. That's it. That is it. And the guy, the fashion designer oh, manager, yeah. gets so upset, and he says, mark that down. That's a clue to the new direction, you know. You know and I love the very last shot where he goes, what? He just, like, turns to the camera, that guy. He goes, what? Like, he's so on edge about, like, what's going to be the newest trend and crazy. I know, the clue to the new direction. But that's what the cars were to me. <laughs> because after growing up in the 1950s with the doo-wop sound and then the British invasion, suddenly there is this different sound that you hear well, in, in sure, Good I Times thought gonna, I thought you, what you I thought where you were going was in that scene, that metal sculpture where George, like, hits it and he goes you don't see many of these anymore I and know like, like, a, like, it's a, like it's a musical instrument <laughs> I know exactly kind of a precursor to the sitar you know yeah. you don't see yeah. many of these anymore it's, it is a classic well tell us about Good Times Roll and if there's any Beatles connection or any you know anything like that we'd love to hear about it well um, you know I think like work well first you, you got, we talk, probably talked about it, but that first record um, was actually made at George Martin's studio in London Air, and um, and Paul at, at, during the time we were there was recording in the next studio, and mm-hmm. and uh, you know we're just you know we were so filled with that all of that anyway. In a good times role, in the chorus that there's that huge chorus of good times role. And, of course, that was a lot of, you know, Roy Thomas Baker, you know, his Queen-style layering of background vocals. But if you listen to the guitar, and I'm just sort of doing a jangling, and it's almost like, um, it's a little bit like a, like a please, please, me kind of lick, or um, mm-hmm. um, every little thing kind of, just a, like a little, like, jangly kind of thing. And it definitely comes from there. But, you know... After playing guitar for so long, and I've been playing since I'm a baby, it's almost like you have, like, this Rolodex in your brain, and this stuff comes yeah. out. You know what I mean? And you don't know necessarily, um, you don't always remember, like, where you got it from, and then you hear a record and go, oh, man, I, that's where I got that from. Right. Because when you listen to so much music for so many years, uh, it becomes so integrated, you don't even always remember. But, yeah. you know... Again, as far as, like, being influenced by the Beatles, you know, like the, like an obvious one that we talked about was, like, Best Friend's Girl, which has a similar look to I Will, but there's nothing like that, especially in Good Times role. But, again, the structure where, you know, we, we learn how to put, like, 
singles and hit records together by listening to the Beatles. Mm-hmm. You know, especially those classic singles that, like, say something like Day Tripper, where it would start with like a guitar hook, down, and then going, you know, it'd be like hook, and 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 by hook I just mean like a a musical phrase or a motif that hooks you in, that mm-hmm. makes you wait for it to come back around. They call it right. a hook. And yeah. it, repeat, it usually repeats after each chorus. Um, so it, it took me so long to find out, and I found out, and it comes back in. And, and it's those little kind of things, those structural things that um, are so embedded in me. That, yeah. You know, so, you know, my best answer, my most honest answer is that there, there's Beatles in everything I do, honestly. because. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, I learned how to do this stuff from them. How to, how to, like what, how how you put together a hit record, because there's such a big difference between a great song and a great record. You know, right. and right. so like, if you heard John just strumming an acoustic guitar and singing "Tomorrow Never Knows" and just playing that one chord, you might go, "Well, that's you know, that's a cool song, kind of interesting," but without backwards tape loops and, and tambours and drones and drums on it. Right. So that's the difference between a great song and a great record. Mm-hmm. You have to make that leap onto tape and and you have to somehow spe- you jump that gap between not being actually there with your audience. You know, yeah. I, I, I kind of liken it to be going to either, like a, a Broadway play or going to see a movie. And so yeah. movies have to use special effects and all kinds of things to engage the viewer because they don't have the immediacy of being in front of the actors. And it's kind of the same thing with a record. You kind of do things to enhance it, to make it interesting to listen to, and also capture people's imagination without them actually seeing you playing. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. right. And, and, and so, you know, I always make that distinction between a great song and a great record. because Yeah. Lots of great songs were lost in the studio. Well, and you listen to anthology, and you listen to some of these songs evolve from their very first acoustic performance. The same thing, the reason that Lena was so addicted to the Esher demos is you're hearing this primitive early version, and you Mm -hmm. then follow it and watch what it becomes. And, I mean, it really is fascinating to watch how, what you're saying, the the song becomes yeah. the record. So, Go from um, a song where, like, one or two of the guys is just showing it to the band to everybody's got a part and playing something that really makes it jump off the grooves. Yeah. That is a definite process, and, you know, it, it's, you know that's, that's the magic part, too. Absolutely the magic. Well, let's listen to the song that helped introduce us to the clue to the new direction to the cars. Here is Good Times Roll.
Elliot. I know that you are a serious Beatles guru, and you have <laughs> helped Jude, you know, a lot in her John Lennon series. So, oh, I don't know about a lot, but I've enjoyed chatting and, you know, pointing some things out. You have, absolutely you have. Ah, it's fun. Yes. And, I'm, uh, I, I, it was fun that you were receptive, you know. I was like, you know, I, I don't know if I'm like, overstepping here or no. you know you know how it listen is. i need i need all the help i can get and it is especially what an honor to have your assistance and oh. always you know so much about it i mean you absolutely are a beatles guru as lena just said so thank mm-hmm. you very very much and we're going to put you on the spot here <laughs> that's right okay i just hope i live to see lewis own finish <laughs> And I hope he lives to finish. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, yeah, we will. (laughs) So, inquiring minds want to know, Elliot, who is your favorite Beatle? I mean, oh, a lot of people, you know, have prefer one of the Beatles. Yeah. Do you you have one that is your preference? You know, maybe when I was a kid, I, I, I thought like that. But these, you know... When I think about it more seriously, I just think that is one, the Beatles. Mm-hmm. The Beatles is one thing, and that's my favorite thing, because I love them individually, but it's like, you know, I mean, none of them were as great as they were without the other three. And so it became like something that was like so much bigger than themselves. So to like say... Oh, I like, you know, I love John. Of course I do. And, 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 you know, and his voice is like one of the greatest sounds in rock and roll. But I just think, you know, he, he, you know part of what made him great was the Beatles, you know. Yeah. And so I kind of hesitate a little. I don't want to be like too fanish in that way because I, I just look at them as that four-headed monster. They are, to me, one entity. Mm-hmm. So... Not trying mm-hmm. to evade the question. I guess no. if I had a gun to my head, I'd probably say John Lennon. But, um, you know, I really do think of them as like one thing. I just put my gun away. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, but having said that, I saw Paul McCartney a few weeks ago at Dodger Stadium. He was unbelievable. So yeah. great. Yeah. 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 So yeah. great. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, why, why choose? Right. <laughs> So, I, like I, I posted, I posted on Facebook uh, like a, a couple of months ago. I said, "Can't we love both the Beatles and the Stones and just agree to hate um, <laughs> what's his name? Uh, you know, uh, Freddie and the Dreamers." <laughs> <laughs> Did you really put that? Yeah, because he was always maybe he had to be either a Beatle or a Stones person. I said, "Well, can't we like both the Beatles and the Stones and just hate Freddie and the Dreamers <laughs> or the Box Tops?" <laughs> oh no, they're great. Oh, if I, if I had, when the letter Memphis, comes on, I, I change channels when the letter comes on. Oh, really? You don't like Alex Chilton? I am not a, not a letter fan. Not uh, that, that, that song. Yeah. I, what I, about Cry Like a Baby? Okay, I like that. I like that. <laughs> that I like. That's a different animal. I liked it. I liked, I liked them because they, um, they were part of the kind of the... Um, Muscle Shoals thing, in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
you know, they were they, they like uh, Dan Penn and Spooner Oldham were involved, and I, I'm a, such a huge fan of Southern soul music. Yeah, uh, uh, that school is just so oh. rich and has such a great influence for years past oh, its yeah. inception around '65. I mean, it just spans the end of the '60s and into the '70s. So yeah, but and that some one of my song. Fa- some of my favorite records. I mean, just even like Dusty in Memphis or Aretha. I never loved a man. Just right there. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. You know, classic. Classic. Forget, it. forget about it. Amazing. Well. I had a question, Elliot. It seems that I had read somewhere that, you know, during the height of your career that somebody had asked John Lennon what current bands he really liked. And oh, yeah. He said the cars. Yeah. I mean, even just when you just said it, I got goose pimples again. It's like, mm-hmm. what a what a blessing and what an amazing thing. That, you know, I was like, wow, John Lennon knows we exist. <laughs> you know, and we, I really, and, and, you know, we'd only had a record, been making records or had records out for two years in 80. And, uh, right. you know, and was, he, was, he was talking about just like starting over his first single off his new Double Fantasy record. And he was saying how, you know, he's a kind of a 50s guy and it was sort of like a, an Elvis type of song, inspired song, and he, mm-hmm. he said he found that a lot of the new wave bands incorporated a lot of, like, 50s stuff, like he said, like, take the cars, that touch and go, and he goes, uh-oh, oh, he goes, that's like, a, one, of the, like, a, like one of those Buddy Holly, like, hiccups, you know? Yeah, yes, yes. And, you know, and, and he was talking about, like, how the B-52s, like, some of that, like, that Rock Lobster is, like, yeah. like, like very Yoko-ish. Uh, yeah. The, the, the way they sing that stuff, you know, those noises they make, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. I guess it's singing. Um, but, yeah, I mean, just, you know, he, like, you know, knew the song and, like, referred to it. He talked about, you know, Springsteen, a couple other things, too, but just the fact that he mentioned the cars, and, and it was his last interview ever. Wow. Mm. Was wow. It, was it Andy Peoples? Was yeah. That, was that what it was? Amazing. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm, Oh man! uh, But what a blessing, you know that that you know I I was able to make that like real connection. Right. Like the guy heard my music and liked it. Yeah. Yeah. That meant a whole lot to me. Something nobody can say. You know. That's everything. Yeah, it is everything. That's that is it's a once in a lifetime rare. I mean, you that's. Something to treasure. That's everything. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. That's why I did it. That's what. That's why I do it for, man. Yeah. Right. You know, right. moment like that. I'm gonna stop balling in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Also, tell us now. It's your turn to kind of to call out a current band that you are digging these days that's a super old term but what no, are I, some some of the current groups that you are hearing that you like their sound well um you know i i, I like um i like like the black keys a lot Ooh, I and uh, i don't know you know that's not brand new but um and i always am interested in what jack white does yeah. um uh, I like the raconteurs, his sort of mm-hmm. 
band after the White Stripes too. And I, there's this great little band out of England called the Stripes with a Y. Mm-hmm. Have you heard them or seen them? Yes. I don't know them. I bet Lena does, though. They look like yeah. the Yardbirds in 65, and they play like that. You know, they're like teenage kids with, like, cool suits and playing, like, you know, R&B, you know. And that's pretty irresistible to me. Uh, I, I like them. Um, yeah. You know, uh, what's, that, what's the band? What's that Brandon Flowers, the guy who inducted us in the Hall of Fame? What's that band? Uh, Oh yeah. I can't remember well, <laughs> his band, but that, that's a nice, that's a good band. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm getting um, to that. I'm getting to that place where, like, like you, if you put on Saturday Night Live and like they say who's playing, like who's that? Or, yes. You know, if you pick up a Rolling Stone and they're writing about like somebody who's selling a gazillion records and you never even heard of them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I'm not. That's not a. You know, bragging about that, but I, I guess that just you know, wow. you know, I, I, I kind of, I kind of love what I always love, and, mm-hmm. and I like things that are kind of influenced by that. I love country music, um, you know, like I, I love Alison Moore and Shelby Lynn and and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and Marty Stewart and those guys like real country music and, uh, okay. gosh, you know, yeah. Bakersfield, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, you have a rich variety. I just, yeah, I just like good stuff, you know, Chicago blues. Yes, and so additionally I wanted to mention that you had told us you gave a performance not long ago at the Grammy Museum, and you performed the entire Revolver LP. I did, the entire British version, I might add. (laughs) Oh, my God. I, I worked so hard on that thing. I, I rehearsed it for myself, just doing homework, at, you know, with the album. For about a month, like, going in most every day and playing every song. And Some of it was really challenging. I mean, I had to create uh, sitars for Love You Too, had to create um, tambora drones and backwards tape looping for Tomorrow Never Knows. You know, we had to do the the two-guitar harmony thing, and, and your bird can sing, because it's a UK version. But the interesting thing, the thing that sticks out in my mind, I mean, well, first of all, I, I, you know, I'll only, like, play a show if I'm, if I'm going to be good. And in order to do that, mm-hmm. it takes so much work to make it, like, look easy. And yeah. you, have to, you have to get to where you have, like, the muscle memory, so you're not just always thinking about what the next part is, and you can kind of have fun with it and entertain people and, yeah. and, and, and play music. But the most challenging thing on that, of that project was Paul McCartney's solo in Taxman. Really? That thing, it was like cracking a code. Because, and I'll, tell you, I'll tell you why. You know, you see, George plays like a guitarist and plays in like mm-hmm. the normal sort of little pentatonic boxes and blues shapes that we all like re- rely on at times, you know. But when Paul plays, like whether it's the solo in Helter Skelter or um, the little breaks in Me and My Monkey or, uh, right, you know, a Ticket to Ride, it, he doesn't play like a guitarist. He just plays genius, like, musical ideas. And so they're not like, they don't fall under your fingers in the normal, like, guitar player way. And yeah. some of the little raga flourishes in the Taxman solo, it's like a combination 
I don't want to get too technical, but of like hammer-ons and pull-offs, and it's very, very nuanced. And I listen to that damn thing over and yeah. over and over, like yeah. just like little three-second sex segments. And yeah. Oh, that's what he's doing. And it took like a few days because it was so wow. different. And, but now I can play the tax man solo. <laughs> well, you rocked it. I've watched the videos, and I mean, you know, everybody is doing a wonderful job, and the music is excellent. And then there you are, and you are bringing it, as we say is in the South. I mean, you are putting on your max showing, not just standing on the stage doing the music. So kudos to you. That was a great performance. You know, Jude, I can't do it any other way, man. And I'll tell you what. It's the Beatles Revolver album. I mean, yeah. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to work so hard to be great. I want people to go holy mackerel, you know, that yeah. stuff, just like the record. Otherwise, it's not even worth it to me. But yeah, well, it was I, I could have toured. I could have toured that album by the time I was done, and it was all for just one damn show or two shows, yeah. an early and a late. But it was a lot of fun. I mean, I almost felt like I was channeling at some points. I was so into it, you know. Yeah. Just you can wait. see that you're into it, and we'll put this show will be posted on uh, Facebook and Twitter and all that. But we will put on our Facebook, she said, she said page, several of those videos for people to watch next oh, week because fun. it's you know, amazing. Another, another great one that I love was the year before we did the White Album uh, 50th anniversary, and uh, we did While My Guitar Gently Weeps, and I had mm-hmm. you know I, that was another one that I worked real hard to nail. <laughs> and there's their video of that. Yeah, there is. Because that we'll we'll put that up too. As a matter of fact, I'm up there with um, Lawrence Juber, who's in the last incarnation. Oh yeah. And John Jorgensen, who you might know, right? Um, yeah. From you know Desert Rose Band and and you know sessions and 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 uh, the Helicasters and just studio work and stuff. But, wow. Yeah. But I told him, and I said I own this solo, and he was like, okay, and then mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, I had, I knew I had it, you know. I just owned that thing and I worked on it. And if you hear it, you'll, you say, hopefully you'll like it. But well, listeners, will Now I don't roll any other way. It's got to be like, holy crap. <laughs> That's terrific. We didn't expect any less out of you. Well, you know, every, you know, you got to take pride in your work. Uh, and right, if you're you know, gonna do it, do it. Go. Yeah, if you're gonna sign off on something. You don't want to be thinking about it later that I should have or could have done a little bit more work and I right. would have been better or this right. or that. I, I, that's harder to live with than the work. Right, <laughs> right, um, right. You know, that's the work ethic that goes into being a, a famous rock and roll band, isn't it? I mean, it's just, that, you know, it's just, that like work I said, ethic it, was behind the Beatles as well. Right, and it's that same thing of how hard it, they work to make it look easy. Yeah. And, you know, Jude, you were talking about, like, listening how great, like, on, say, the anthology discs, how you hear the early versions of records. Yeah. And then you could hear just, like, how hard they worked from mm-hmm. getting it to that point to where it was finally, you know, the record. Polish, and it's like unbelievable how edges. hard they were. That's right. And take That's after right. take, just trying stuff. Man, we could talk about this forever. We could do a, a, hours of, you know, it's just, well, you know, just we, we were talking about, like, songs versus records. And, like, I always kind of think, like, in rock and roll, pop, like, the song ain't done being written until the record's finished. Oh, I like that. 
You know what I mean? Because if somebody comes up with an idea or a hook or a, a, a musical line that just makes the song, mm-hmm. whether it's, you know, Carol Kay's bass line and the beat goes on or something like that, or just, just you know, any kind of part that just people go, whoa, you know. Yeah, yep, that's, yep. To me, that's a compositional contribution as far as I'm concerned. You know what I mean? Like, yep, I think that's a that's a great quote. I may have to borrow that from you and footnote it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true, you know. I mean, until that thing's mixed, anything can go on there. Yeah, sure, absolutely. You know, you know, someone has an idea, and all of a sudden, it takes a left turn. Yeah, really, I love it. That is so true. It is. Well, uh, well, Elliot, we sadly um, have come to the end of our time, but we want to make sure that our listeners know where to find you on social media so they can watch for the Valentine's Day release of The Empty Hearts. I don't I can't think of a more perfect way to spend Valentine's Day than with The Empty Hearts. Yeah, I, you know those little pink boxes that used to take uh, when you're in elementary school with the little candy hearts that oh, yeah. say, I love you or please be mine. Yeah. I was thinking maybe we should make those boxes for The Empty Hearts and have nothing inside. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the yeah, empty heart. Or you could just have the heart candy with nothing on it. Yeah, just nothing on it, empty. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I love that. That's good. <laughs> that, that, that would be priceless, absolutely. Well, it's been always, you know, again, a blast talking to you ladies. It's always fun, and it's always fun to talk with people who really love the Beatles and, and are so knowledgeable, and, well, you know, we, it's, it's great. We, we greatly appreciate and respect your influence and all of the uh, experiences that you have been through and we we love hearing it and we love that you offer that up so we can have our listeners enjoy uh, and uh, hear what you have to say as well we have had so many people comment about your other show and so I'm sure this one will be just as enjoyable. And oh, I did have you. someone write on Facebook, and they, they suggested that next time you play, she said, she said. Oh. Well, we, you can also, there's a video of us doing it at the Gravity Museum. Oh. Yeah. Oh, and awesome. we're going to use that as our play out today. So we, that so will be much. the... It, it, it's, you know, it, it's so much fun doing it. And if people want to find out um, a little bit more about the empty parts, uh, we have a Facebook page called The Empty Hearts and a website, theemptyhearts.com. And uh, you can go on either of those, and there's links to videos and you know songs and stuff you can, and photos, and you can check the band out and stuff. Thank you. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for having me. All right. We'll see pleasure. you in, in February to release that, that new Empty Hearts CD. We can't wait. I love it. You got it. Thank you so much. So much. And thank you to all of our listeners here on She Said, She Said as well. We appreciate your being a part of all we do, and we hope that you're enjoying the ride as we begin our third year of this program together. I can't even believe it. And (laughs) to celebrate anniversary number three, we have some fabtastic guests coming up for you in the weeks ahead. First, we have Jim Birkenstadt, the rock and roll detective, who will be here to talk about his bestseller, The Beatle Who Vanished, which is the life of drummer Jimmy Nichol. Jimmy, as you might know, 
filled in for Ringo for 13 days on the 1964 North American tour. And Jim will give us the scoop on those exciting days. And when he appears in person as the featured author for The Beatles at the Ridge on September 20th and 21st in Walnut Ridge, Arkansas, Jim was the Harrison family's historian during the making of Martin Scorsese's film George Harrison Living in the Material World, one of my top five ever shows, films. And Jim will be the MC for the viewing of this wonderful, wonderful documentary, and it is going to be at Beatles at the Ridge on Saturday, September 21st. So to make the viewing experience really unique, he's going to take the Ridge guests, through that film with him and bring it to life as only Jim Birkenstadt can. He'll give She Said, She Said an insider's look at the film as well when he gets on our program next week. I think it'll be out in a couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah, we'll get it out soon. And Lena and I sincerely want to invite all of you to come out and meet Jim in person as well as Bruce Spizer, who will be releasing his brand new book, The Beatles Get Back to Abbey Road. We have the official book launch party for Bruce that weekend. And we have Ken Orts meet the lookalikes as well. All September 20th and 21st, it's a free two-day Beatles Festival and Symposium, and uh, our cast of stars, I mean, they are absolutely remarkable. Absolutely. You are not lying. We also have a fabulous MC, Susan Ryan, and she's going to be on the show next week with Jim Birkenstadt as well. So don't miss the book launch party that we are hosting for Bruce Spizer's brand-new book, The Beatles Get Back to Abbey Road, and the party is going to be on Friday night, September 20th. These are all, all of these presentations take place in the studio in Walnut Ridge on Main Street, Walnut Ridge, Arkansas, and on Saturday, Beatles at the Ridge attendees will get to explore the unique, fun story behind American Beatles memorabilia and American Beatles fan clubs. So we have authors Terry Crane, Sarah Schmidt, and Patty Gallo-Stinman on hand to talk about all of these fantastic topics. In addition, on both days, we'll also have music from the majorly talented artist and musician Rand Kessler, who is also our Jeff Emmerich and does a fantastic job on our shows. And we also have team sensation, Cameron Hicks. You're going to see door prizes, refreshments, and a really special tour of the unmatched collection um, and Beatles exhibit, which is entitled Meet the Lookalikes. And it is being exhibited by curator and collector Ken Orth. All of this is free, absolutely free. Go to the website beetlesattheridge.com and make all of your plans, see the schedule, see what's going on. You better get a hotel reservation quite quickly. And we look forward to seeing you there. You're going to have the time of your life. And until then, here's to food for thought, food for the soul, and food for the love of rock and roll. 
And as we play out with Elliot Easton shining on the Grammy Museum version of She Said, She Said, I'll leave you with these words. ta and shine on. Yeah.